Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So having orientation, being orientation, as, as humans, we're more inclined to sort of be one or the other. However, with consumerism as it is, you know, advertising in our faces and encouraging us to buy, 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 it's harder to be living in this being orientation and it's so much easier and the majority of us are more having welcome back to the andy rowe show vicky silverthorne is a professional organizer and best-selling author her book start with your sock drawer was featured on oprah and before that she was pa to british pop star lily allen you're going to hear how she got started and then how you can easily declutter your life to make yourself more productive but before we get into the show, make sure you've supported the podcast and your health by visiting drinkag1.com forward slash Andy Rowe. AG1 is the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day before I start the day. I was tired of taking so many supplements and just wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional basis every day. And I want a better gut health and hate taking loads of pills and vitamins so if you want to take ownership of your health try ag1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin d and five free ag1 travel packs with your first purchase just go to drinkag1.com forward slash andy Rowe. that's drinkag1.com forward slash andy Rowe. and by doing so as i said you'll be supporting the podcast as well hope you enjoy the episode Becky, thanks for coming on the show Thank you for having me. How did you... So you were PA to Lily Allen. Yeah, I was PA to Lily Allen. Um, before that, I was PA to footballers and before that, professional golfers. And before that, I worked in a halfway hut at a golf club. So, yeah. What, any golfers that I'd know? <laughs> yeah, so I looked after Steve Webster, Mark Rowe, Radley Dredge, Gary Evans... There were quite a few, but probably sort of 15 years back. Yeah. What were they like back then? Was it because obviously they had to clean up their act when Tiger got in trouble? Yeah. Was it, were they pretty loose? <laughs> That's a yes. <laughs> I think the world of golf was thought of as quite a sensible world. You know, they probably go on tour and they practice all day and all night. And But yeah, they, I mean, they had fun. And I, I was lucky enough, I got to go out and tour to quite a lot of the events. And there were a lot of parties, put it that way. Really? Yeah. And how loose did the parties get? Well, not, not that loose when I was there, but I was a, a girlfriend at the time as well. So um, A girlfriend of one of the was, golfers? Yeah, so, right. so I dated one of the golfers as well. Not one of the ones I looked after, I was far more professional than that. They had fun for sure. I, I've, got, I've got rock stars in my mind at the moment thinking what they might have got <laughs> yeah. up to. Am I far from it? Like no, they, were they like I don't think you're far from it. I think they, yeah, they knew how to party for sure. Imagine, Obviously, I, they were very professional as well. You know, they had to go out on a golf course. Yeah. I think that is most middle-aged men's dream yeah. is to be a professional golfer and party. 
yeah, I can see why, definitely. <laughs> we we try and relive it, like we try and get out the like the golfing golfing tours of mates <laughs> yeah. and stuff. But imagine actually doing that for your job. I know. And then Lily uh, Allen, so you, you just toured around with her? Yeah, so I came back from the golfing, I moved to London and worked for footballers, really tried to like football, but just... Any big footballers? Didn't like football. Yeah, lots of big footballers, again, I real names off, can't remember teams, Darren Bent, Darius Vassell, Jamie O'Hara, there were quite a lot of Tottenham players, Right. I remember at the time that I looked after. I but, don't know. Um, I don't know footballers that, that well. Me neither. That I know the, the big problem. stars. Yeah. If you had said Ronaldo, I would have been on. I would have been thinking, "Oh yeah, I know that guy." But Sorry, the company had lots of big stars, yeah. but they definitely didn't assign them to me. Who partied more, the footballers or the golfers? I don't know about the footballers as much because I was. It was kept very professional. Like we were in the office, and we didn't really meet up with them. Oh. Whereas with the golfers, I'd be travelling round. But it was, we were sort of kept a bit more separate in the football world. And I think that's probably what I didn't like as much. I'm a people person. I like to go out and meet the person that I've been speaking mm. to for a year, planning their night out or their stag do or their professional side of things as well, obviously. But, yeah, so I think that that was a bit of a turn off in the job for me as well. You know, you're literally sort of daily speaking to people and organising like a lot of their lives mm. and then sort of not to really meet them and their families. It just felt felt like a bit of a... Shame. So a I was massive like, disconnect. To, yeah. So it was like for me, it was like on to the next. What do I want? I want to work for one person. I want to travel the world, and I want to learn a new industry. And that was like my three things. I felt it was about me this time. Like, what do I want now? Yeah. And that's when the Lily job came up. What do you mean the Lily job just came up? The Lily like, job. <laughs> like you, you, how do you go about getting to be Lily Allen's PA? So I had joined like. Three really good recruitment companies. And I'd worked for the footballers and I'd worked for the golfers. So they were like, okay, you know, I've got the tick box of discretion because I've worked for high-profile people. I think that really matters. And I've had the experience of looking after a lot of people. You know, there were like 25 golfers in the end, like 25 footballers, something like that. Mm. So the recruitment companies started taking me quite seriously. Like, they, I think they knew I was on a bit of a mission to find... What I was looking for job-wise. And they knew that they could make some money off you. Yeah, probably, yeah, exactly. So the interview started coming up. I There was one I was due to go for, for Naomi Campbell. I didn't end up going for that. Thank the Lord. Oh, well, I know, but I kind of really wanted to go to the interview. <laughs> like, I was really, really wanting to go because I thought it would be so interesting. I am thinking to... Naomi Campbell was a handful, <laughs> right? She was like... Her reputation... You know, and I don't know what the truth was, but the re- her reputation was there for sure. Did she throw the cell phone at someone? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, she's horrible, man. I would never have taken it because of that, to yeah. be honest. But I wanted to go and see what this was all about. But I didn't end up doing it because the Lily job came up, the interview before then. But I'd interviewed for Gwyneth Paltrow as well. Didn't get it? Didn't get it. Couldn't have got it. Didn't want it. Again, went for the experience, but it was way higher than me. Like I hadn't hadn't got that experience. I hadn't booked photo shoots, and yeah. I wasn't there. But I went, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to go to this interview." And the recruitment lady said, "You know, she really liked you. She only mentioned a few people, and you were one of them." So it kind of took me up a notch in the recruitment lady's eyes as well. Yeah. So I was like, "Okay, that was good that I did that." So was Gwyneth Paltrow interviewing you? Yeah. So she, you yeah. met her in person. Yeah, you sat met her down, person. and you, okay. and she says, "How do you?" What's your diary management like? 
Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, what well, <laughs> could ha- be better? So, what did you talk about with it? Is it? Is she was just asking me about my other jobs and about the football and what did I do day to day and how would I like transfer my skills there to her? And I think that's. I remember that question being asked, and I th- I thought don't think I'm ready for this yet (laughs) like not quite ready for this yet strangely I did feel ready for the Lily job but the Gwyneth one just seemed a little bit out of my reach at that time and then like I said the Lily interview came up and I went to her house and she seemed lovely and I met her dog and she sort of pointed out around the room all the things that sort of needed doing or something needed to be done that hadn't been done and I saw a stack of paperwork and I thought I'd do, I'd do this and I just started saying it well I'd, I'd put a system in place for that and I'd go through that paperwork and oh, I'd make sure your travel stuff was sorted out and I sort of pointed out a few things and there were suitcases around the room and, and I just sort of told her what I'd do just um, instinctively she was sort of nodding and I, I thought okay I've, I've hit something here I know exactly what this person needs she just needs that upped level of organisation just to get everything set and in place who doesn't? Yeah, t- yeah, totally. And especially when you are suddenly packing a case or 20 to go away for, you know, 18 months, not mm. just a couple of weeks on a holiday or whatever or a quick work trip, but, you know, you're going for 18 months and you might come back for sort of 10 days in between that. How are you packing someone's bag for 18 months? You, you kind of are. You're, you're, packing, you're packing stuff that will go on a tour bus, you're packing stuff that will go in a hotel room, you're packing stuff that's a stage wardrobe. And obviously things will be added to that and you will be back and things can be laundered and changed. But mainly Mm. you're just kind of, you know, washing things when you're away, hotel laundries and, you know, no expense spared in that way, but still a lot of planning. You know, if you're going to a festival. There were two enormous, like, tour stage cases so they just sort of like open out Mm. and they've got everything in them Uh. and I kept that immaculate and then there's like a whole thing of makeup and then there's it's like being ready for okay Lily's going to come off stage is she going to want to go out is she going to want to go and chill in the hotel room or is she going to want to have like a casual dinner or go out out or you know so I'd make sure there were all these clothes sort of ready depending on what she wanted to do and which friends were there and it was, oh, it was amazing. I loved buzzed off that. I just loved it. I was like, this outfits for this, outfits for that, outfits for this. And then she might come in, ignore them all, and just pick something completely different. But I wanted it to be ready just in case. And it was really satisfying if she'd be like, yeah, going back to the hotel. Thanks for putting the cozies out. It was amazing. I like reminisce over that job so much. It was tiring. And I got diagnosed with exhaustion by her oh. doctor once. But it was just the physical organisation for my mind, not just being on a laptop, but like you're physically organising, putting things away and getting things out and going to get things and what isn't going to work and what is going to work. And that just gives me such a buzz, <laughs> such a buzz to think ahead. Was there ever occasions where Lily would be like, oh, Vicky, I'm not so I'm not so into the, uh, the sequence it wasn't this is this was the great thing the the bit I liked was she'd never asked me to put the outfits out it was never like and when I come on stage I expect there to be an array of outfits depending on what I want to do that was just what my mind came up with and my life will be easier and her life will be easier and I'm you know she's my boss if I put a selection of clothes out just in case 
she's you know got a full head and can't be bothered to think about what to wear they're just in front of her and there it is so it was never expected of me really Uh. but that's the bit I kind of liked that what can I do to make this even more organized what can I do to make this run even more smoothly that was the buzz I think just sort of being a step ahead and as a PA you need to be yeah you got diagnosed with exhaustion yeah what sort of hours were you working what 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 was the what did it look like well okay so I'd wake up early this is when we were touring mainly in the bus say around America I'd wake up early I'd go into this amazing like catering area but you'd wake up like in a random car park or something Mm. in like the garage of the venue you were that Lily was performing at so you'd wake up and you think okay where am I I wonder where the catering tent is go into catering wake up and then go in and and there'd be this like family of like 30 people you know the people who are unloading the people who are cooking behind the scenes and you'd say good morning to everyone often in your pajamas and then have some breakfast a cup of coffee and then I'd open the laptop because we'd been in America and there was a time difference catch up on whatever I needed to catch up on and um, then I'd get ready and then I would start to like prep anything that she might need in the dressing room I'd want to get on top of that so I'd put all the makeup out, you know, line it up neatly. I'd make the dressing room look nice, make sure all her favourite, like, snacks or anything were in there, or catering would. Go back to my laptop, then go and prep her things, make a list of the things I've got to do. Like, switched on the whole time, all day, definitely. Mm. Then she might need me to go and fetch things um, for the performance that night. What does she want to do that day before sound check? Like, a million things, like, running through your mind. And then she'd go on stage, obviously, in the evening. So I might have, like, maybe an hour to myself in the day. She would come off halfway. I'd dash to wherever she was coming off, quick change of clothes, go back to the dressing room. I'd probably have a glass of wine at that point. <laughs> so you would you would help with the costume changes while she's on stage? Yeah, in certain places, yeah. Unless it was a, uh, something that needed, like, a proper stylist, or um, if not, it was sort of me... And then I'd go and have a wine at that point because I knew I had like 20 minutes and they were obviously always happy for me too. So I'd be like, oh, okay. Because then she'd come off stage and then she might have friends in the dressing room and then it would be where are they all going to go, what they're going to do, hotel room, go out, go to dinner. And then I'd tidy up the dressing room, pack it all away for the next day. Oh, my God. And then it would be like, I reckon midnight one. And then I'd go back to the tour bus or the hotel depending on where we were sleeping. And I just try and hide and crash out. Where do you find time for yourself in amongst that schedule? Because you're a million yeah. miles now thinking about someone else the whole time. Yeah. Where does Vicky's life <laughs> slot in? <laughs> kind of got put on hold. And that was fine because I knew if I was going to be a PA, I wanted to be the, the best bloody PA there was. And, and I tried, you know, I gave it my all. But, you know, I missed a friend's wedding. I missed a friend's 30th. It's very hard for friends to understand when you're doing this job that you can't say, you know, I remember a friend saying, oh, you know, but it's my wedding, you know, can't you just ask for the day off or fly out a couple of days later? It's like, it it doesn't work like that. Like, I committed to this role and I can't. And could you, you could have though. If, um, if you asked Lily Allen, she sounds like she's quite a reasonable person. Yeah, totally. And you said, I've got a friend's wedding. She probably would have yeah. said yes, but you were probably in the mindset of, 
I need to do my job properly. I yeah. Can't, I can't ask Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't regret the decisions. Like, I knew it would be appreciated if I just cracked on. But then saying that, you know, a lot of the crew and stuff as well, you know, they'd miss... It was the same. Yeah. They'd miss the weddings. They'd miss, you know, they'd be flying off when the babies were tiny and, you know, everyone sort of made sacrifices and I think sort of considered a stronger part of the team if you don't. I don't it sounds silly, but no, that was I my mindset it. at the time. Maybe I'd be different now, but Lily had had these organisers in to organise uh, her wardrobe, but there were stylists as well. So she got rid of a load and then she sort of shopped for a load and um, made it look beautiful. And I thought... God, that's a job. Hold on a minute, that's a job. I'd love to do that, but I'd love to do it in the whole house and everywhere and just clear people's lives. And I started clearing my life and decluttering and it was having this immediate, like, positive effect on my headspace. It was so, so interesting. And there is now, I know, this, like, scientific, psychological link. You know, the more visual distraction there is, the more it weighs down on your thinking, your thoughts, your brain can be fuller if you're looking at so much more. You know, if this room was filled top to bottom with stuff everywhere, that for me, definitely, other people might be different, but a lot of people are the same. It would, it kind of feels like that, like stop it shouting at me, like it's shouting at me, you know, it's almost, and and that's a thing, that's a real thing and a lot of people resonate with that. So yeah, I hooked onto this idea of, okay, physical organisation, decluttering. And I was like, this is for me. And I spoke to Lily and I said, I think this is what, you know, I want to do. And she just said, anything you need, I support you completely. And was absolutely wonderful. I handed my notice in and and I don't know how I had the, I don't know how I had the strength at the time to kind of like, think yeah this is I'm just gonna start a business <laughs> this will go well I don't, I don't know what I was thinking I was probably a bit bonkers at the time when you do start a new business that that's it's scary anyway yeah like you've got to be pretty brave and pretty like there's this level of I don't know if arrogance is the right, right word yeah but there's a level of I think so yeah or naivety there's this combination yeah. of all of that going yeah oh, I, c- I can do that totally like, I can do that job not actually thinking what actually goes on behind. No, like I, I didn't doubt for a second. I just knew it was going to work. Yeah. I don't think like that now, but like, I was like, of course it's going to work. It's a great idea. I didn't, I didn't think for a minute, oh no, what if it doesn't work? It was like, this is going to work. So I started off like being a PA still and doing PA bits and really weirdly realised at that moment how bad I was at it or how hard I'd found it. And it was so grueling on my brain. I thought, I, c- I can't do this bit. I can't do this bit anymore. I can't be a PA anymore. I think I like associated anxiety with being a PA. Mm. Um, but then I just got more and more clients in my new decluttering business and knew I'd done the right thing. Where do you start when you get, like, what's a client? Com- like clients coming to you and going, I've got anxiety, or clients coming to you and going, can you help me declutter? Or what? what? How does that process work? Yeah, so so bearing in mind, like, 13 years ago when I started the business, no one really knew what it was. And I loved that. Like, mm. what do you mean organising, decluttering? What, what are you talking about? You know, my friends would be like, you're, doing, you're what? Starting a business? What? Cleaning? I was like, no, no, no it's not cleaning. It's decluttering. It's organising. In America, it was a big thing. In the UK, it wasn't. 
And I just loved that I was kind of this like 30 year old weirdo starting this <laughs> business that no one had heard of. I was like, this is perfect for me. So I suppose to start with, it was people saying, can you help me organize my clothes? But what is it? What happens? How does it work? And then I needed to spread the word a bit. And I actually worked with this lady who had some contacts at newspapers or magazines. And she sort of got me a couple of articles, but even... The journalists were like, sorry, what's what's this? T- tell us more about it. And again, no one knew what it was about. It was brilliant. Then I started offering free days to magazines and people and tried to offer free days to maybe a high-profile person. And That's a thing, isn't it? Like yeah. about giving away free stuff. Like yeah. doing stuff for free yeah. when you first start. Totally. Yeah, you've got to be willing to work your butt off in any way, shape or form. And the way I saw it was a free day was instead of me paying marketing or, you know, PR. It was, that was my marketing and PR because they would tell someone else and someone else. And I still have clients now who booked us 10 years ago. Now it would be more writing to influencers on Instagram, wouldn't it? And saying, can I give you a free day? But it just didn't feel like that Mm. back then. And it was just, the timing was perfect. You know, there was no... Marie Kondo, Marie Kondo being, you know, the very famous Japanese organiser declutterer, sold millions and millions of books, has got a show on Netflix, and I missed the boat a bit there. (laughs) It was four years prior to that, but, you know, there was no... But your book's done well. Yeah, the book's brilliant, yeah. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that it was on Oprah? Yeah, Oprah's book. It wasn't on the show, but it was on um, Oprah's book club. It was actually on a couple of things in Oprah's, yeah. Yeah, which is a, which was like, I think, my most like wow moment. Start with your sock drawer as yeah. your book. What does that mean? Start with your sock drawer. What it actually means is anyone who is maybe struggling with their home being organised feels like their home is cluttered, feels that anxiety from clutter, wants to get on top of it, wants to live differently. People often say things like my home I need to declutter my house oh and it feels so overwhelming it's so big because it is to to declutter your house your whole home is a big 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 job if you're going to do it properly so my advice is the title of the book which is start with something small like your sock drawer something that might take 20 minutes half an hour while you're on the phone to your mum or whatever you're doing and then you complete it and you feel a buzz. And, and even though it's a sock drawer, something, you know, quite insignificant, they're just socks. The day after you do it and you open that sock drawer, you still feel that little buzz. Even if it's a tiny one for three seconds, you just feel that little buzz, that mm. little bit of proudness, satisfaction, um, completion. So it's about doing that much, stopping and not overwhelming yourself, not starting something huge, not saying, I'm going to declutter my home this weekend and starting pulling everything out. Even your wardrobe, that's a huge amount to do properly. So it's about chipping away at your home bit by bit by bit. And that works for people who don't have time to put a whole weekend aside. It works for people with kids who can't put a weekend aside. It works for most people. When I go home and I see my dad's garage or my dad's tool shed, yeah, and it's like, weird do you start yeah. with this shambles of an yeah. operation? Like there's yeah, no yeah. organisation involved in it. The amount of times we've tried to clear it up and clean mm. it up and it yeah. just like goes back to the way it was. Yeah, so I'd say, and I don't know if you've done it this way, you almost need this full visual of what's in there. So with that, 
especially because you say you've tried it a bit, I would almost get this massive like tarpaulin down and I would start pulling things out and categorizing things on the floor. So he has this full visual of what he's got because when it's away in a shed or even if you pull bits out, you can't get an idea of how much you've got. And when you lay it out, oh my gosh, it's a whole different story. People are like visibly shocked, like, oh my gosh, I didn't realise I had all that. What am I doing keeping all that? And rarely do people go, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. no, I need it all, I need it all. Really rarely because they see it in such a different way. Mm. The shed is a TARDIS. It is literally a TARDIS. So to pull it out and lay it out and categorise things, even quickly, you know, not focusing on much. But I'd, I'd suggest, I really want you to do that now and let me know. But I know it can take a while when it comes to sheds. Let's go back. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. To what you are looking for when you actually go inside someone's home. So, mm. you, for example, you came in yeah. to my friend Dan's place today and I opened up his wardrobes. He's going to hate me for it. But it looked quite neat and tidy. Really neat, yeah. Really and it should tidy do. He was in the RAF. Yeah. Uh, it, what, what are you actually looking for when you go into someone's home? Like, as your job, what's going on? Are you just going in the front door and just judging them straight away? Or no, never any judgment. That's the first, exactly what I said to you when I walked in. Like, there is never any judgment. There's no, like, oh, God, oh. You know, one of my biggest skills, curse and a blessing, is um, I catastrophize. And for this job, it is the perfect quality. So what's working, what's not, what's not working, what could go wrong is, is constantly going through my head. So we ask for a client show round when we arrive at someone's home. So we ask them to show us round their home how they've never showed anyone around before you know you never show around anyone around your home and go well, I don't like this cupboard and this isn't working and that's messy and you know you go oh yeah and I got this new picture and oh yeah we've really you know really made an effort in the house now you know you, you don't go oh this is what's in the cupboard so we ask them to do that we ask them to do this show round where they're pointing out things they don't like and that is priceless for us to then be able to do our jobs has anyone ever um, shown you too much like oh didn't need to see the sex dungeon <laughs> No, it's more like, oh, we don't need to look in that drawer. <laughs> it's often it's more like that. And this bit is fine, so we don't need to go there. And we simply say, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Noted. <laughs> like, <laughs> noted. Um, so it's they'll show us what isn't working, and I'll immediately be spotting things and be totting up. My head's going, duh, 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 and I'll be totting up what I know could work, and I'll be writing it down. 
as an example, your friend's down cupboard is really neat and really tidy. One thing I noticed immediately was the shelves, um, there's too much height between them. So there's a lot of wasted space at the top. And if you tweaked the shelves and made them slightly closer together, you'd be able to add in a whole new shelf. Therefore, you're adding in more storage. So that's what my mind's doing. One of the things you talk about in your book is, so there's a few different aspects of the house. And we'll, we'll, I want to go through a few of them. What are some of the things that you give advice to people on when it comes to wardrobes? Because most people listening to the podcast have a wardrobe and it overflows. Yeah. Inevitably, it overflows. Yeah. How do you stop that from happening or what are, your, what are your tips on that? Yeah. So initially, I'd say the majority of homes we go to, as an example, if they are in a two-bedroom house, they have enough belongings for a four-bedroom ho- home. If they're in a three-bedroom home, they have enough belongings for a a six-bedroom home. So often we are simply storing more than we have the physical space for. And that's what you've got to think about. So I have a wardrobe. I know I cannot own more than what realistically, and for me, in an organised way, will fit in that wardrobe. Meaning, simply, sometimes we've got too much stuff for the space we have to store it. And you've got to use the storage you have as a guideline. So the solution is to go through the clothes section by section. And I think that with a lot of other things in life, we've got to hold ourselves accountable. If we have bought something and we didn't need it, if we have wasted money on something, if we've bought something in error or bought something impulsively, we should look through our belongings, our clothes, and we should decide realistically what are we going to wear you know, what what fits, what doesn't fit. What are we holding on to that we're saying is sentimental, but actually probably isn't. Um, and we've got to make those decisions ourselves. And it's hard for people sometimes because that involves guilt. Shouldn't have spent that. Got too many of these. Forgot I had that and bought another one. And people don't like that feeling. Mm. Who likes to feel guilty and bad? But I think we have to learn to embrace that feeling because that's how we don't make the same mistakes again. So I think you ask yourself, what can I live without? I think that's a really strong, powerful question, a really positive question, and that's how you start the decluttering process. And then you wake up the next day, and you've got less stuff, and your wardrobe looks better, and it's more manageable, and you feel better, and it looks better visually, and the guilt's gone. So the to-do bit is the pulling sections out as as much as you've got time to do you know a rail at a time if you've got help you can do a bit more but if if you do a rail at a time a small rail or half a rail if it's a big one a section of shelving but make sure you you know you pull it out you work on it and you complete it before you start anything else then you can work out do I have time to do another one the worst thing is you pull everything out all at the same time you get bored you're by yourself you procrastinate you do a little bit, but you haven't got time to finishing it now. You've got to finish it. You've got to, you know, do the school run or go to a meeting or whatever it may be. And then you sort of shove it all back. And, and people rarely go straight back to it when that happens. They kind of shove it all back in because they haven't had time to do it. Mm. Or they've pulled out too much. By then, it's kind of a bit of a negative thought in your mind. And that's when people leave it for another couple of years. It's hard to like throw things away, though, isn't it? It's kind of you, you do get attached to items of clothing. Yeah, they might carry a memory or, or absolutely. But you've you've said it in a certain way there, and that's what we're programming our brains when we say it in that way. We're not throwing anything away because the majority of stuff can have a second life somewhere else. So we might be passing it on and or sort of getting rid of it in our world. But 
you know, anything you send to the charity shop is going to have a whole new life. So we've got to remove that little bit of saying from our minds mm. or our um, narrative when we're talking about it for sure. We're rehoming. We are. Well, imagine you've got a shirt, right? You loved it. Yeah. But you don't love it anymore. But it's fine. It's in good condition. Right. You send it to the charity shop. In walks student, hasn't got much money and sees that cool shirt. You know, say it's 20 years old. Fashion comes around again. And he buys it. Five pounds. He's got an absolute bargain. It's his favourite shirt now for the next 10 years. That's how I think of it. You know, the item you've got left. I, I use an example in the book of Granny's old coat. Sitting in a cupboard, a dark cupboard, like... You can't Slowly. throw away Granny's old coat. Well, you can't, but but what, what if, if the other option for Granny's old coat, rather than sitting in a dark cupboard gathering spider webs, is for cool student to walk in the charity shop? Does Granny's old coat deserve to be shoved in a cupboard somewhere? Or potentially some people might feel really happy at the thought of someone else buying it and giving it that whole new life. What about if it's a hand, uh, if it's, a bit of furniture that is like granny's bit of furniture okay. that she got that's this beautiful dining table or beautiful couch or yeah yeah because also because when people are moving into a house and they're trying to design a house or something yeah. they might that bit of furniture might not fit and but they can't or that might not suit the interiors yeah whatever it is but they keep it because You've got, you can't throw that away that's a family heirloom kind You're of thing using the same saying though throwing it away and that's what's imprinted and that's what makes it hard. No, and we're not throwing it away. We'd never throw it away. But if that furniture you do not like and it doesn't suit your decor, you've got a couple of choices. You put it in the garage, you put it in storage, you live with it. But every time you look at it, you're like, it doesn't suit my house. You don't want to feel something negative about something that should feel positive. So I think, again, you've got to think about, okay, this isn't my taste and it's probably never going to be, but it might be someone's taste. So maybe you could sell it. You could sell it. What would you do with the money? With that money, you'd do something that granny would love. Like granny loved the opera, go to the opera. Granny loved going to the movies. You could all go to the movies. Granny loved Chinese food. We're going to use that money. We're going to all go out for a big Chinese in granny's honour. The table's gone, but granny's memory's still there. Because, and that's the thing, you know, the table isn't granny. The table is an item that she bought. The table is something she loved. doesn't necessarily mean that someone else will love it. So I think there's really respectful ways of thinking about it a bit differently Mm. that mean you're not just looking at yourself as, I'm such a bad person because I got rid of Granny's table. How could I do that? What an awful thing to do. It's not, we've got to sort of change the narrative on that, I think. I think it's similar to where I've, gone and done like little runs or whatever i've always kept the t-shirt yeah 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 when i went to move house recently i was fortunate enough that i was listening to your audio book at the same time yeah previous to that i could never have thrown those away yeah like a a a t-shirt that i got for running a half marathon in bergen and norway yeah or one in Rome, or one in Auckland in New Zealand. I'm yeah. such an athlete. But <laughs> you, I had all these T-shirts, right? And they yeah. were they were cool running T-shirts. Like and a lot of T-shirts. Yeah. Like yeah, stacks. A, 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 a stack. 
a stack. Yeah, okay. But when you're moving house, you're trying to yeah. get rid of it's anything. It's still that much space, isn't that's it? That's a lot. It's still, it's still when a you're shipping, space. When you're shipping a cube Absolutely. back to New Zealand, that's costing you yeah. money. And throwing those things away was actually quite liberating at the end because you're thinking, really? I'm not actually going to, I'm not wearing those again. No, right? no. I'm 40 now. I got those when I was 30. Yeah. Am I going to be able to fit back into them? Yeah. I yeah. probably won't look the same. Yeah. And my question would be, do you have a photograph of you in that race? And the answer is probably yes, right? You oh, probably got one I of each I didn't get view. a photo, damn it. <laughs> no, but in the, in the race at the time. Yeah, yeah, right? got a photo of it. One of those like yeah. crossing yeah. the line photos or yeah. something. Again, that's, there's your memory. It's not gone. It will always be there. The physical item isn't always needed. But I'm glad you felt liberated. That's so good. Yeah. As humans, we have an obsession with having yeah. things. We isn't do. There? Isn't yeah. there a German psychologist or something that did something on that yes. in your book? Yeah. So there's a, there was a guy called Eric Fromm. And I have to be honest here. There's a crime show that I love called CSI. You've probably heard of it. CSI Miami. Yeah, CSI New York. Yeah. And there was this one episode where it was based around... Uh, hoarder called mrs santiago and there was like a body in the house that they couldn't find or didn't find because she was a hoarder or something but at the end one of um i think it's Lawrence fishburne's character sort of talking to one of his colleagues and he's saying there was a philosopher called eric from and he said that there were these two orientations in life having and being and he said people with the having orientation felt like it sort of made them happier owning things having things fast cars biggest house etc whereas people with the being orientation were happier when they uh, were happiest with their friends and with experiences and that's what made them happy so these two different orientations but and that's then, real that's a real thing yeah real real i looked into it after i watched the episode and was like wow eric from i love this dude um amazing so having orientation, being orientation, as, as humans, we're more inclined to sort of be one or the other. However, he then goes on to say, with consumerism as it is, you know, advertising in our faces and encouraging us to buy, 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 it's harder to be living in this being orientation. And it's so much easier, and the majority of us are more having because we're kind of trained to be, mm. really, from the second we grow up, having toys, having things, having the fastest car, best car, having the biggest house, having this, having that. So consumerism makes us so excited to buy and own things. That is fascinating because you get, you, you do see it with people that are just, we're so reluctant to throw things mm. away. Yeah. Even yeah. though we haven't used it for years. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. And, you know, when you have someone that passes away, as much as it's a horrible subject to talk about, you know, an uncle of mine passed away and suddenly overnight all of the stuff he had needed to be dealt with. And that's not a nice subject, but it's also reality. You know, do we want to just gather stuff for our whole lives until our houses are full up of this useful, amazing stuff? Or do we want to aim to be more of this being orientation, even though it's harder? Mm. I want to say I'm that person. I want to say that my happiness is totally gathered by people experiences. But I still buy stuff, so I'm kind of definitely midway between both of them. You know, I'm guilty of it. I'm an organiser, but I still buy stuff. I still buy my daughter to toys, and I try to be as eco as I can and buy secondhand and... You know, but it's still a case of collecting and gathering stuff, isn't it? That 
do we need all of it? Probably not. Absolutely not. How do you deal with that with kids? Because kids, kids clutter up a house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my house has changed a lot. But <laughs> top tips with kids is, again, the amount of storage you have should be the amount of items that your children own. Nothing should be overspilling. That's a really good habit to get into. Number two would be keep kids' storage really simple. Really, really simple. You know, their toys simple. It doesn't have to be in bright, Larry colours just because they're kids. It can sort of suit your decor as well. But keep it really simple for them and for us, for us to tidy up. And I think be really honest with people because what you find is when you have children, obviously a lot of gifts are bought, mm. especially when you first get them. You'll get a lot of things that you don't need or wouldn't have chosen. I think there's still a massive amount of honesty that needs to be injected when it comes to birthdays, Christmas with kids. I thought of something that's probably been done before, I'm sure, but I thought something that I really want to try and implement when it comes to my daughter's birthdays, which is when children come in, instead of everyone buying a present, everybody putting a pound or say two pounds in a little money box, a little birthday money box. Mm. And, and what's collected, you know, at the lovely party is say 10 pounds, 15 pounds, whatever it may be. And then your child will see the value of money. They won't be like, where's my 15 presents? There'll have to be a narrative behind it. You'll talk to them about it. And 15 pounds, we will then go to the toy shop and they will choose a toy. What a lovely experience. Yes, there needs to be an element of slowly changing it but every parent that I've spoken to have said god that would be a brilliant idea because every parent dreads Christmases and birthdays where so much crap comes mm. in and everyone's the same I haven't talked to one parent who's like oh I love that when that happens <laughs> not one not a single one but we're all still doing it yeah so I want to try and like start this little mini movement where I'm like okay my daughter's birthday next year no presents Please just bring a pound or 50p or whatever it may be. It's so much easier for a parent going to a birthday party if they were just taking a pound. Pound. In a beautiful <laughs> special box, that would be it. Look at your special birthday money box or something. And you, you, you don't want to immediately, as I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, God, what would my daughter say? But but if they if you start it young and they don't know any different, surely that would be an amazing experience for mm. them. Do you have a really organised kitchen as well? Yeah. I like, uh, yeah. How, how, I do. I mean, stupid question. No, no, no. Of course you do. No, no. But, how, does but, it, how does it work? How does your kitchen work? Kitchen works. Again, everything is in very simple categories. And I do do regular clear outs in my kitchen. So I recently got rid of one of those hand blender things because I picture myself being a chef at some point. Yeah. yeah. Never going to be. A terrible cook. So I passed it on to a friend. You know, immediately you've saved a big chunk of space in your kitchen. So I do constant clear outs, but I also am really aware of what comes in. The only thing that messes up the organisation in my kitchen is if I haven't gone through my cupboards properly before I've ordered food shop, and I'm having like five jars of mustard, and that annoys the hell out of me. Yeah, or Too much um, stuff. chickpeas, cans of chickpeas. Yeah, things like that. Uh, oh, well, how did I order five of those? I already had like... 16 or whatever it is that that's what messes it up but that's my brain not the organization so yeah everything has a place and I'm really aware of gimmicky gadgets you know I don't have an, an uh, avocado slicing lemon squeezing apple coring drawer I just have what I need and actually again I say it in the book but you know in the 1950s what did they use to do all these things a knife 
you know, so I ch- just try and embrace the fact that I have a favourite knife and that pretty much does everything in my kitchen. One of my pet peeves about the kitchen is Tupperware. And tup- where we store the Tupperware, it, it, I mean, this, this might be just my family that do this, but it's happened in every flat that I've been in, it's happened ev- everywhere, that the Tupperware drawer is always overflowing yeah but there's never the tupperware you need or you can't find the fucking lid yeah (laughs) yeah right yeah so i store all of mine number one i get really simple sets so i've got like three types of tupperware number two i store it all with the lids on because i can't bear if i if i want something i want to open a drawer and grab it Mm. i cannot bear it being all kind of nested in and like you say where's the friggin lid so that would be the easiest one and like get it all out, put the lids on, store it differently. It takes up more room, but it makes your head not hurt every mm. time you go in it. Put all the lids on and any spare lids that you don't think you've got anymore, just like get rid of, and make it simple. And there's amazing like nested Tupperware that fits into each other. That's great and it saves space and it's brilliant. But you've got to ask like, how much Tupperware do I actually need? Mm. How many storage containers do I actually need? I'd store them with the lids on. Otherwise, it drives you crazy. Yeah. You know, on Instagram, you'll have seen all these amazing pantries and they're all immaculately organized top to bottom. And, you know, every seed, every piece of pasta, every grain of rice is in a storage container and it's got a label on it. And, yeah. and it's top to bottom. You know, honestly, that for the majority of homes, the majority of lives, I can confidently say will not work. And if it's done, really, will not stay like that. There's such a thing called over-organization. And if you are not naturally organized and you don't love being organized or organizing, I doubt very much putting everything in a storage container in your pantry will do much more than, number one, end up annoying you after the initial wow, the visual, um, and number two, probably make you throw things away because you don't know how old they are or they'll go to waste or they won't get used. It's a bit of a shame. You know, it w- work in some homes, especially mm. if there's people to help keep it up. Because I always see people that do that and think, oh, oh God, which I was that organised? I'd love to see, see it six months later. When it's taken to a different level and every single item goes into these containers, it can often hinder and not help can you organize your kitchen in a way that makes it easier to keep it organized yeah like a shop just think a shop exactly uh categorized food categorized everything simple categories and only the things you need within it facing forward labels when you buy something put it at the back not at the front because the best before the use by date yeah yeah, what a great suggestion. <laughs> That's blowing my mind. It's yeah, so basic. I know, it's so basic. But no one does. But yeah, it goes at the back, not at the front. I know. What about bathrooms? So bathrooms, for me, always have a lot of shampoo bottles and things like that. Yeah. And what, what, have you got any tips around like how to keep a bathroom clean? I think with bathrooms... If there's a problem with clutter, it's usually because of the amount of products people have at one time. The strongest take home that I think people kind of go, oh, yeah, is is when I s- simply state, you know, the stores, the shops are there to store the products. And that's why we 
pay the money we do because part of it is storing them. So if we buy them sooner than we need them and store them in our home, number one, we're wasting our space. Number two, the shelf life of them is going down every month we store them in. So, and that's kind of a bit of a oh yeah 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 mm. you're right you know they're not yeah, they're not going to yeah they're not going to disappear from the shops. We don't need this row of them just in case they run out. They're not they're not going to run out. You know, the majority of things are not going to be discontinued and run out. So it's it's storing minimum and having minimum open. And there's a really satisfying thing that you can do, which is using up the products that you have one by one or even if you're using a couple of things at a time just using them up completely that empty bottle and a lot of people don't it sounds so silly but a lot of people will replace before they finish something i mean how many bottles of head and shoulders do you need yeah exactly i just got in this morning from a holiday and one of the problems that i have when i go on holiday is i usually pack too much yeah but it's like that it's like that theory like if you know if you're going away for two days you always pack five pairs of undies one in case yeah. you shit yourself so yeah. it's like, which <laughs> which never happens it's never <laughs> happened but it's like you you're thinking i might need that yeah i might need that yeah what are your tips on packing for holidays yeah well the first thing i say with that isn't it interesting that it's like when we go away on holiday it's like we're going to be out in the wilderness where there's no shops that will sell anything we might need. Whereas actually the reality is wherever we go, we can usually find what we need. So if we do have a little accident, there'll be a shop that sells a pair of pants or there'll be somewhere you can wash your pants. So it's number one, it's like reversing, undoing this thinking mm. that we're on holiday. Have I forgotten anything? So it's like, it's actually, if I've forgotten something, worst case, I'll be able to find it. There'll be a solution. So the initial part of what you were saying about packing too much stuff, I'd say goes back to the getting your suitcase out and how you do that. The core of everything is when you're packing. So I have set rules when I'm packing, which is number one, I make the bed, suitcase on the floor, and I pull out clothes, fold them neatly on the bed, like really lined up neatly, again, because for me everything is visual, mm. and I'll pack in outfits. So I have to pack in outfits. Something like pants easy, you know how many, pairs of socks quite easy you know how many and then it's just like what am I doing on holiday am I going to be changing for the evening what am I going for and pack in outfits on the bed and you will find you are more likely to put things out and then go I don't need that and put them back in the drawers again and what you initially put out will shrink down can shrink down if you've got the right head on like I don't want to take too much and that's how I've become someone who doesn't end up taking too much. And actually the joy of going on holiday sometimes is you have less stuff around you. Like imagine if you turned up to a cluttered hotel room, you wouldn't feel like you're on a holiday. Mm. The joy of a holiday is you don't have to think every day as much. You don't have to make those choices that you have to at home. That's, that's a huge part of it. So yeah, it's, it's laying it out on the bed. What have you got? Packing outfits. Make sure it's all neatly lined up on the bed, ready to go in your suitcase, folded neatly, and remove what you know you're not going to really need. I run my own business and obviously have a podcast, mm. so I do have quite a bit to do each week. Yeah. But I find I could do with a lot of organising mm -hmm. that could help me. I don't know how or what or yeah. what that would look like. Where would I? At, I'm kind of at that point where... 
yeah, I'm never going to hire a PA because mm-hmm. it's that's a cost. Yeah. But oh, I see people with PAs, I'm like, oh, my God, I would love that. Yeah. I just feel like if something was put in place to help me, yeah, I would be so much more productive. Yeah, yeah. What w- advice would you give me? There's a few elements, and I really, as soon as someone says this to me, I really want to help because I know what it feels like to not, not have that organisation set. The first thing I'd say is your surroundings should be as clear as possible. Some creatives would argue they like their surroundings to be messy because it sparks things, but that's not me. For me, I have to have my room tidy and ready for me to work and everything in place even if it takes an extra 10 minutes to set that up to make sure everything's done you know I have to have you know the 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 washing away in the room and I've done the washing up and I've made my bed before I even think that I can start working otherwise things are hanging over my head Mm. extra thoughts extra thinking um the second thing for me is I've stopped using a laptop as much as possible so I'll probably get it out once a week now and I use an electronic notebook instead. And that has simplified my way of working a lot. Not overwhelming yourself with how much you've got to do in a day, because actually, realistically, you can only get so much done. Mm. That helps. So if you've got your main to-do list, what I do is pick sort of three things off it, put it on a separate list that will be in front of me, and I'll aim to complete those in a day and think, if I can do those, that's great. I always get through them when I think like that. I think it was Tim Ferriss. That book, I, I didn't even read all of it. I, in, fact, I, in fact, listened to a couple of chapters and I took away a few chapters and I took away what I needed and didn't want to crowd my head with anything else. And it was him who was sort of like, you can only do what you can do. Take the absolute essentials and get those done before you start picking at your to-do list. Um, so I love that. Something else actually Tim Ferriss says is, If you only had an hour, if you suddenly only had an hour to do everything that you'd mapped out for a full day, full eight-hour day, you would make it happen. And that's so true. Mm. That is so true, how we look at it. If suddenly we were like, my God, I forgot that meeting and now I've got to leave in an hour, but I've got all this to do, you'd make sure you did all the essentials within that hour that you had. So less is more in that way. And it's completely would. Like, would you have done all those reach out emails in an hour? Mm. Like you could, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, 100%. But then you you might be the kind of person like me who works better under pressure. I, I prefer leaving things till the last minute because I find I get it in my brain more. And I've been like that since school. Yeah. Cramming for exams. That's my way. Yeah. But even starting your day off in the right way. And that means your wardrobe being how it should be. That means your kitchen being easy to navigate. That means you being able to find your favourite pair of shoes that you wanted to put on. Um, All of those tiny things, your keys always being in the same place. You know, my set things, I always would lose my keys, would be, um, is now to put them in a drawer, the back of the drawer on the right. That's where my keys live. Without fail, every time I walk in the door. Otherwise, it will take me half an hour to find them. And I cannot bear that feeling. My phone, same. Now I've got a strap, a crossbody strap for my phone. And it's changed my world. Because I don't lose my phone. And my keys, when I'm out, they've got a um, carabiner hook onto my belt. Because I don't like handbags. I'll wear a rucksack if I'm with my daughter. But So I, I go out, phone crossbody, carabiner hook with my keys on my belt. 
and that's how I leave the house. I love it. Gosh, you're so so far ahead of the game. I don't know if I'm ready for a carabiner hook yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick with my handbag. Carabiner, carabiner hooks are the best for keys. Honestly, they're game changer. Thank you my so energy. much for coming on the show. I've learned so much. Thank you It's been so, so interesting. Much. Where can people find out more about you? Uh, people can find out more about me on my Instagram handle, at you need a Vicky, or on uh, my website, youneedavicky.com. And thank you very much for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please do leave us a review and give us a rating on whatever platform you listen to this on. And if you want some AG1, click on the link in the description to this episode, which will also put the link to Vicky's book on Amazon. Is it on Amazon? It's on Amazon, yeah. And the links to your website and the link to your Instagram as well. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.